So, with all that said, we're going to bring up Miss Sue Hart. Mom down. You're the next contestant. You want up here or down there? Up here? Okay. Let's pray for you first. Well, we have several, just, you know, we're all sick. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Let's pray. Lord, we just pray for our friend, your messenger. We ask that you would give her the words that matter for your people today. And let her see that, Lord. Let her know as she walks with you in the Spirit. We first just bless her in Jesus' name. And ask that you would fill that up with the fullness of God's blessing in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, I'm on green. Does that mean I'm on? You're good. Can y'all hear me? Yeah. I love being down here because nobody looks at me weirdly when I'm talking. When I live in the Northwest, and everybody up there just says, when I start talking, they'll say, where are you from? And I tell them, I say, I'm from the South. I'm from Texas. Babies love to listen to me. I want to tell y'all something. They do. They're fascinated by my voice. They don't, you know, they're not used to hearing somebody talk with this that kind of an accent. And I'll just start talking to them, and they'll just watch me, and they'll just start grinning. It's the funniest thing I've ever seen. I love it. I did not really consult with Larry about what I was going to talk about. And I just asked God after he had called and said, you know, could, would you want to come? Could you come? And um, I'll tell you what the Lord dropped into my heart. And it's the story in Luke, Luke 10. Um, let me find it. At 10, 25. If I can find Luke, that'd be good. Okay, 25. Oh, Luke 10, 25 through 27. And it's a familiar, familiar story. And... Uh, And then a certain lawyer arose to try or test Jesus, saying, Teacher, what am I to do to inherit everlasting life? And Jesus said to him, What's written in the law? How do you read it? And he replied, You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind. And your neighbor is yourself. And Jesus said to him, you've answered correctly. Do this and you will live, enjoy active, blessed, endless life in the kingdom of God. Now that's what God told me to talk to you all about. And all I've heard today since I've been in here is talking about the love of God. So here I am. And I guess I could just say and that's it. Amen. But I'll go on with a little bit. And um, has it ever occurred to you that God's love for us is never measured? He never measures his love. As I thought about that, I thought that's kind of interesting. You know, if, as a cook, if you're to make a cake or something, you better realize you've got to put in the right amount of salt or the right amount of sugar or the right amount of something. You have to measure stuff. And we, we are people who like to measure I've just spent a whole summer helping my son-in-law and daughter remodel a 
workshop in the back of their property. It is now my she shack. That's what we call it. <laughs> and uh, we remodeled it so I could have a place to live. And, and it's, it's worked out very nicely. But, oh, my word, if we didn't measure correctly, what happened? But God's love is you can't measure it. It just goes on and on. And it's not limited and it's not conditioned, conditional. God never says, if you do this, I will love you. Never. Never in the word do you see that. He does tell us, if you obey me, I will bless you. But never does he talk about his love as being limited. There are conditions. Because at the very beginning, God so loved the world. Now that's us. And that's the Chinese, that's the Hindu, that's the you know, that's the people that we think are going to hell in a handbasket and good riddance to them. God loves them. God loves them. And right now I live in an area of the country that is so liberal it just it just well, you know, medical, marijuana is legal in our state. Assisted suicide is legal in our state. So uh, we're just super, super liberal. And um, I have to look at all those people around me and think, well, Jesus loves them too. I guess I have to. <laughs> but, uh, the, and the love that God offers us is not an emotion. It's not a feel-good experience. We do feel good, but we don't seek God's love in order to feel good. And he offers it to us constantly. Now then, it's not a, the love that God offers us is not a what, it's a who. And this is the thing about I'm discovering. There are so many things in our life that we think are what experiences, and actually they're very personal. They have become who. For instance, after Harry died, um, it's been a little over a year now, after he died, I realized that grief is a very personal experience. And every one of us will grieve, have grieved, in in the way that we can and that we're capable of. And um, the love of God is the same way. It's a personal experience. And that's what makes it so unique to me. It's a personal thing. What do you need? What do you need as a child of God? Have you ever thought about that? What do you need from God? I can remember that, um, um, well, I can remember that when I was living in California, I may have shared this with y'all, but just bear with me. And uh, we were attending, believe it or not, an Episcopal church that was spirit-filled. And it was a wonderful experience. And I was... um, had gone to a Wednesday night meeting or something, and the woman that was leading it said, Now I want you to just close your eyes and be in the presence of God, and I want you to approach Him however you can. And I went over, and I remember putting my head in my spirit. I was doing this. I put my head down on God's knee, and I just said, I'm so scared, I'm so scared, I'm so scared. And I thought, whoa, where did that come from? You know what it was? It was my experience with my dad growing up. And I did not know how much, I did not know God's love for me because of that experience. My fear 
had kept it from 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 me from receiving it. My fear had kept me from receiving it. He was offering it, but I was too afraid to get receive it. And so that experience taught me because I took some further steps after that. Um, Intellectually, I knew God loved me. But in my spirit and in my soul, I had never received that love. I had never experienced it. You know, it's just like saying, um, yeah, well, I know everybody's going to go to heaven. Well, that's not right. You know, it's just one of those deals that you just sort of believe on what basis. So anyway, that was the beginning of a really interesting journey for me that, by the way, still continues. I don't know. I suppose when when I get to heaven, it'll be over. But right now, God keeps teaching me. I said something in Sunday school this morning. It, it, I don't care how old you are. God's going to keep on teaching you and giving you new revelation and giving you new experiences as long as you're open to them. There are a lot of people that you see as they get older, they get stuck in their ways. And I have friends like that that are just flat stuck in their ways, and it's because they don't want to learn anything new. And I just think it's kind of, we're living, honestly, I think we're living in the most exciting times a Christian could live in. I am so, and I I have Christian friends that are saying, I don't know about Trump. I also have some Christian friends who are Democrat, bless their hearts. I'm hoping they see the light. (laughs) But anyway, anyway, uh, so God's love um, is ever-present. He's told us he's not ever going to leave us or forsake us. And I can tell you that is, I know now that is a truth. I know that. And more than I've ever known it before in my life. So whenever we say yes to God, I trust you, I believe you, I need you, whatever. When, however we've agreed with God, with Jesus and the Holy Spirit, we receive the whole package. Now. Do we open up the whole package? Do we open up the whole package? There are a lot of people that just, well, my Baptist background is going to show up. We just get across the line, and that's as far as we go. We say, yes, Lord, and that's it. We don't. Uh, you can call it anything you want to. Growth, um, faith, serving God. Um, but do we receive the whole package? And that's that's the deal. When If we receive and the whole package, we will live happily ever after. I'd like to see a show of hands. <laughs> Who has lived happily ever after? <laughs> you don't have any pain. You don't have any disappointments, failures, betrayals, no sickness, no tragedy. Anybody like that here? Oh, good. I'm with my fellow men. <laughs> I'd like to hear, though, if anybody's done that, how to live that kind of life. I've never figured that one out. So we have to, you know, uh, we have a new baby in our house. It's not mine, thank God. (laughs) But it's actually a great-grandson, and he's six weeks old. And I have been struck by watching him how um, uh, self-centered babies are. They don't give much except dirty diapers and cries for more food. You know what I mean? They're they're very demanding, actually. They're very needy. And yet, guess what? We take care of that baby because we love him. 
And how about that being, that's the way God does with us. We first come to him and we're just full of demands and uh, selfish ideas. You know, God, okay, you, you said you're going to clear the path before me. Here I go. I want to go down this path. And God said, well, I was clearing that one over there for you. But anyway, um, so I've wa- I'm watching this baby and I keep sharing with the mother. All this is temporary. Just enjoy him while he's six weeks old, eight weeks old. All of you who are grandparents know what I'm talking about. If you're a young mother, you're looking at me thinking she didn't, she's off the deep end up there. But um, babies have needs and demands that have to be taken care of by someone. And we do too as, as children of God. So we have, this is the thing, we have to learn how to love. Have you ever thought about that? You have to learn how to love. Now, we love because God first loved us. That's the only reason we have that gift. And I'll tell you, the enemy wants to, if he can't destroy or distract us from that love, he wants to defile it. And that's we're seeing a lot of that now in, in, uh, in our society. Um, but it's always been that way. We're not, we didn't invent defilement of love. And religion says, if you follow the rules, God's going to love you. Now, they may not say that in that directly, but boy, you sure get it. Now, remember when I said religion. Religion says that. Don't do these things or else God won't love you. If you do these things, God's not going to love you. But if you, do, if you don't do this, we'll love you. The church, the religion, religion will love you. And peer pressure says, well, everybody else is doing this. Don't be a prude. Don't be chicken. You need to, you know, you, you, it's okay. You know, who cares? Who knows? And shame says to us, how could God love me? When Harry and I were, had, had, through the years as we've been working with the inner healing, invariably this is one of the issues that most people don't realize they have, is shame. This is one of the um, burdens they carry without even, it's such a familiar burden, they're not even aware that shame is a big part <clears throat> of their self-identity. And yet, because what shame does to us is, says to us, how could God love you? Your past has defiled you. This experience has defiled you, has ruined you. You're not worthy. That's what shame says to us. And guilt says, how could God love me? I did this. I could never be forgiven. One time Harry and I were working with a Vietnam vet. And he had PTSD, and his daughter had actually asked that we meet with him, and we had agreed. And he started sharing with us some of his experiences, and it was awful, the things that happened to our young men in Vietnam. It was awful what happened to the Vietnamese. It was it was awful, but what happened to our young men were, was really bad. And he just finally, he was a big old guy, and he finally broke down and started crying. And he said, um, I'm so ashamed and I'm so guilty for the things that I did over there. Even, and I, 
even though I did them, you know, under direct command, I still did them. And I said, we finally got to the point where I said, can you ask God to forgive you? And he said, yes. And I said, so I said, would you do that? Now, I didn't pray that for him. I, I said, you, would you do that? And he did. And he was just sobbing through the whole thing. And we just kind of sat back. Those of you who've worked with me know what I'm talking about. We just kind of sat back and just let it be quiet for a little bit. And then I said, now can you forgive yourself? And he said, oh, no. Do you know how many people have never forgiven themselves? And you know what I said to him? He just popped out of my mouth, so I felt like it had to be God. I hoped it was. But I said, so you think you're bigger and better than God? You've got higher standards for yourself than God has for you. And he looked at me, and he said, you're right. And I said, can you then forgive yourself? Well, you know what he did? He said, well, how do you do that? And I said, you just close your eyes and look at yourself and say, Tom, I forgive you for the things you did that were so harmful and so hurtful and so against God's law. I forgive you. I forgive myself. And it was as if something had lifted off of that man. He knew that he was truly forgiven. So God forgives us, but we can hold on to unforgiveness for ourselves. And that means we can't get the whole package of God's love for us. We've got too many conditions in place. Pride says, why shouldn't God love me? I've done this and this and this and this and this. I'm important to him. God needs me in my work for his kingdom. Have you ever thought about that? That blocks God's love. It really does. And Mammon says, why should you need God's love? You've got your own resources. And in our country, we are so self-sufficient, and we believe in it, and we teach it. And, uh, well, we used to. Now we're teaching to depend on the government. But um, you can take care of yourself, you know. Go after the gold. Then when you get it, you know, then you can give money back to God and it'll be okay. He'll be proud of you. That's what Mammon tells us. And resentment says, how can I know God loves me? He hadn't done anything for me. There's been death or sickness or poverty or my kids have all turned out bad. How can God love me? How do I know God loves me? See all these things that block us from get, receiving God's love? That's what I was, I got to thinking about all this, and I thought, well, yeah, you know, these things do act as a block to us, and we're not even aware of it. And that's where the enemy wants us to uh, stay. He wants us to be kind of stuck in this place of looking at the package of God's love and saying we don't need it, or we don't deserve it, or we're, we can't open it. And jealousy says, why does God love you more than me? Why does God love that preacher more than me? I do more for God than they do. And disappointment, this is another big one. Disappointment says, why should God love me? I've failed. I'm a failure. I can't do anything right. See, all these things are part of our 
interior chorus that goes on and on. And you may not, some of it may you may not connect to. You may think, well, I don't have that. I don't want to do that. But somewhere along the line, if you're not really experiencing the love of God and knowing the love of God, um, somewhere there's a, probably, there's a hiccup. And fear says, why should God love me? I'm afraid to even ask for his love. I'll just screw it up. What if he abandons me after he wants to love me? After I think he loves me? What if he abandons me? And children of divorce, children who have been adopted, uh, a wife who's been divorced, she feels abandoned. All of these things, a mother who is mentally ill, uh, the children feel abandoned and neglected. Anger says, why should God love me? I don't even trust him. He let me down. He denied my prayers. That's also rebellion. Anger and rebellion. Why should God love me? Why do I need God's love? I don't need God's love. I can get by just fine on my own. And why am I talking about this? Well, it's like a cancer. And believe me, our family knows about cancer. Harry died of cancer and I've had cancer too. I've had two bouts with cancer. And it, what cancer does is insidious. It's in your body. You don't even know it's there. And then all of a sudden, your doctor looks at you and says, you've got something wrong with you. I've seen the scope or whatever, and there's something there. And then, <clears throat> and then sometimes we can fight cancer and sometimes we can't. But cancer wants to destroy. It's an overactive... Somebody correct me. Jerry, is this correct? Cancer, or is there a medical person? Cancer is when a certain group of cells become overactive and begin to take over other cells. Is that correct? Kind of? Sort of? (laughs) Abnormal cells. Abnormal cells. Oh, that's good. Okay, good. Because see how that fits? All of these things I've mentioned today are like cancer in our spirit and in our soul that... Eat away at our ability to open up the whole package and receive the whole package of God. It, it acts as a, uh, it, the enemy wants to destroy our relationship with God. He may want, you know, he may not be able to snatch us out of God's hands, but he sure can destroy our relationship with him. Have you ever thought about that? Our, our relationship with God is a personal relationship. It's not something that somebody else gives us. We don't inherit it from somebody. We don't, pardon me, we don't, um, we can't go buy it. We can't, we can't go earn it. Our relationship with God is ours because he loves us. And so the enemy wants to take that away from us or cripple it so that it, we don't live in victory or in love. And so this is when Harry and I were drawn into inner healing because we began to see the patterns in our own life that were so toxic. that And that started out, honestly, as a relational thing with our family, with each other. And then, that, that God, Jesus is so sneaky. He just took us down to the deep end of the pool and shows, oh, yeah, this affects my relationship with you too, Lord. See? 
And so, uh, so Harry and I got involved in inner healing, and then we just we thought, dang, this is what the body needs. We need to know about how God forgives us, how He wants to clean out the closets in our life and take us past all our past and let go of it. And Harry and I aren't, weren't preachers or evangelists. I'm not that. You know me. I'm just plain old. I'm, I may be one step ahead of you on some of the path and three miles behind you and somewhere else. But uh, John Sanford always said that inner healing is to bring God's love to the wounded places of our hearts. The, those places that don't believe we deserve God's love. And so this is what God's love is all about. I learned after I, what I did after I had that epiphany and said, I'm so afraid, I'm so afraid, I'm so afraid in God's presence. I, I knew enough to go back and start looking, why on earth did I say that? Where did that come from? I didn't know that was in me. I did not know I was afraid of God. And so what I did was I began, I sat down one day and just started writing a letter to God about what fathers, because God wants to be our father. And I did not have a good relationship with my father. So I began to write a letter to God about fathers and what fathers should be and what mine wasn't. And what, and that began me on the path. And did I have an experience where I was just flooded with God's love? No. I had to learn to receive it. And I didn't even know I was learning. But once I'd said to him, forgive me for not trusting you. And that was for me. Your your story may be something different. Everybody's story is different. Because like I said, this is a personal personal walk. I began then to, um, he began to unfold to me the ways he loved me. And as we get older, just from an earthly perspective, um, those of you who've lost loved ones will know what I'm talking about. Because I knew God's love, I was able to go through that whole year while Harry was sick with pancreatic cancer. I was able to go through that whole year not afraid. It was weird. I didn't get afraid. And I didn't say, why is this happening to us? The only time I really broke down was when um, one night, and he was in the hospital. By the way, he had every infection known to mankind. He had C. diff and MRSA and staph, and he had everything. And that's actually what killed him. Uh, but at any rate, um, I just said to God, I just don't want him to suffer. Please don't let him suffer. And that was early in the diagnosis, and he didn't. And I think I told you all that about Harry saying goodbye to me, <laughs> our last conversation. He, he was in hospice, and he said, now, why am I here? And if you remember Harry, he had to know all the, all the how, how things happened. And he wanted to know what process it took to get him to hospice. 
And he said, now, why, uh, why am I here? And I said, he said, well, what was the decision? And I said, well, your kidneys were shutting down, and we knew that the rest of your organs would begin. Well, then how's that going to make me feel, he asked. And I said, well, you're not going to feel much pain. And I said, and, and you're going to start sleeping a lot, and you're just going to go to sleep, and you'll wake up, and you'll go to sleep. One time you're going to wake up, and you're going to be with Jesus. And he said... Okay, so is this a big goodbye? Now, remember, he's on his in hospice. <laughs> and I said, no, not yet. But I said, how about we say, we'll see you later. And he said, oh, I'm sad. It's the last time I talked to him. He died the next night. And he just went to be with Jesus, you know. And he's up there, and he's probably poking me, saying, hurry up and get over this. <laughs> Be through, be through. But um, if I had not had that experience in California and had been willing to face my fears, if I had been willing to do that and let God show me where those had come from and let me let go of those things and let God have them, I don't know that I would have been able to go through this last that last year without fear and without anger and resentment you know all those things that are right rightfully I could have felt but I didn't and uh, I'm just so thankful for that so I don't know if any of you all have experienced I don't know if everybody in here is just walking in God's love and you have a wonderful relationship and you know him like you know nobody else or if there's some of you who like me have never had that experience and you'd like to have it I really would like for y'all anybody just to come on up and pray this was short today okay it's all right we don't have to speak for an hour (laughs) yeah um, I really felt that this was how I was supposed to end this. If anybody feels wants wants to know God's love, I mean, really know it. God so loved the world. God so loved you. He so loved me that he sent his son, knowing what was in store for his son. And his son came because he knew what was in store for him. But he loved his father so much. He said, yes. Yes, Father. Yes. And so I don't know if any, you know, if anybody here, then, but if you'd like for, to, for prayer, then I'd, maybe Larry could come up and pray with you and Susan. Uh, and we'll just meet you up here and we'll just pray. And I want you to receive what I have. And I'm not so special. I'm not, you know, I'm not special. I'm just like everybody else. God loves me, though, and I know that. God loves me, and he loves you. And that's what I wanted to tell you today. God loves you. He loves you without measure. He loves you without limits. He loves you, and he can't wait to catch us in heaven. Start a little music there. We'll we'll take a few minutes here, and uh, uh, let me pray uh, an ending prayer. If uh, if you feel like you'd like to come up and let us pray for you for that, we will do that.
the rest of you, if you feel like it's time for you to go get your, your food and bring it back, you can do that during this time as well. So let's first just pray. Lord, we thank you for this message because, you know, really it starts, it really starts life for every one of us. We're, we're created to be loved. And, uh, because we're created after the image of God. And God is love. So for, for us to truly have a life and have it abundantly, we must find this. We have to have this. And when we have that, Lord, everything makes sense in some way. It all is okay, no matter if it's hard. Uh, it is the hidden pearl that we all seek. And I just ask you this morning, God, uh, if there's any among us that needs to take a next step in receiving that, let this be their moment. Let them just come up and just start a process that will take them to this this reason for living. And I just ask you to do that now. In Jesus' name, I pray for them. And I thank you for it, Lord. Begin that process now.